can I say won't give it up? Alice Tatum, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> and your name is Pod? My name is Pod, okay. yeah. Middle name Cast. <laughs> um, Alice, tell me, um, you grew up in Arizona? I did. Yeah, tell me tell me about that. What? what uh, I mean, you know, you don't have to get super specific, but I'm just curious. I don't get to talk to a lot of Arizona natives. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you have some really interesting insight into how Phoenix has changed over the years, you know, specifically the music scene. Um, But if you can, take me back to growing up and maybe some of the music that was inspiring to you as a kid, or maybe there was a particular record that was played in the house. Mm -hmm. Well, um, that's a a big old subject. You you covered many things. (laughs) Well, I was born in Washington, D.C., and... And my mother moved west with three children, and I was on a train. Came here when I was three, I think. A and train from D.C. to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, back in the day. How many days did that take? I don't know, because I was so little. <laughs> Maybe I was two when she got on the train, wow. but she was determined to come here. Yeah. And uh, she came. We. I, she's southern, and we settled in Mesa because my granddaddy was worked on, was a road engineer building that road from um, Mesa to Globe. Oh, yeah. It used to be a two-lane highway. Wow. And so my mother, you know, was going back, came here because her mother and father were here for a job, and uh, she was getting divorced. And so we settled in Mesa, and that's where I grew up. And and I can't remember not singing, really. I still remember... You know, the old rounded refrigerators with the rounded edges. I still remember my grandmommy. um, I was probably three. And I remember the radio was that song. I know, I know you belong. It was a big hit in the pop. Uh, I was just out of pitch, so I stopped singing. But, um, and I remember thinking, and I just naturally loved to sing. So, don't know what I sounded like, but... I sang, and my my blood father was a professional singer. Oh, really? Yeah, but I didn't. He would, didn't raise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but music was in the family. It was. was. It's in your it genetic was. makeup. Yes, I think you could safely say that. Yeah. Do you know anything about where he sang or what he sang? Mm-hmm. D.C. and New York. Wow. And, yeah. Kind of like a crooner type. I would thing, say, or? yeah, he was like a like Sinatra and uh-huh. Jack Jones and. You know, like that. And do your siblings sing as well? My sister's a really good singer, Chrissy, and Kenny sang, and Scott, they all sang. We mm-hmm. all sang. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chrissy and I, we started singing in choirs. And, you know, like, I think I got up in front of my class when I was in fifth grade. I still remember. Yeah. And sang, I'm a little hula hula baby. <laughs> but, um, don't judge me. I'm not, I'm <laughs> not, this is awesome. <laughs> but um, crazy me. But I was a middle child, so I wanted to be noticed, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, Mesa schools, which were very musical, music-oriented, I think. Mm. And uh, I still remember every music teacher, and um, but the, mainly the Garretts, Lois Garrett and Harry Garrett, were my choir teachers in junior high and in high school. And... That was my favorite class, choir. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Were there any records that, that stuck out to you during that period? or? Well, of course, my mom just played Broadway musicals and, and maybe Sinatra, um, you know, John Gary and 
Oh, oh, like um, Camelot, things like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everything. And Mahalia Jackson. My mom was really liked what she liked. And so I, I remember Mahalia Jackson singing, Holy, 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 this big, beautiful black voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, who is that? She goes, that's Mahalia Jackson. And I said... I loved it, and I lived in a little old, very a little bubble in Mesa. Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, I was drawn to and Nancy Wilson. She loved Nancy Wilson, so therefore, I did because she mm-hmm. was my mom. Mm-hmm. But um, mainly, and then the Beatles happened, and I mean, uh, in junior, I mean, I don't even mm. think of seventh and eighth grade without thinking, oh yeah, my name's Mrs. Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> but um did you watch did you watch their ed sullivan on tv oh after church yeah we walked home and dixie daniels and chrissy and i went into our front room and it was on my dad probably maybe he was waiting for bonanza or whatever on the tv or ed but ed sullivan and there was the beatles because dixie knew about it and her father was a music teacher and they came on and she started screaming so we of course, I copied the girls because they mm. were older than me. I went, ah. And my dad looked at us like we'd gone to Mars. <laughs> it was like, and he's like very strict and was like, what the mm. heck's going on here? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I remembered all of a sudden they were all that mattered. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. music, every song, I remember each one of their songs coming out on Crux or Chris and or being in the car and my mom letting us listen to our music sometimes and then her sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I remember when John Lennon, we were on our way to our cabin, I still remember what it looked like when mm. he sang, please don't wear red tonight. And I thought, I mean, that's not like a normal mm. rock and roll song, is mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. You Because know, mm-hmm. red is the color that my baby wore. And I was like, what? His baby wore red? Oh, my God. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> you know? And I was, you know, like, I don't know, 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know anything. The perfect time. I mean, right? I, oh, my gosh. Right? The perfect time. Isn't, isn't that, I feel like there's definitely um, that, that age group, that age for me. Yeah. <clears throat> That becomes your music, right? That moment where you, that music, the music that you love, is maybe not the music that your parents love. You no. kind of come into your own no. as an early teenager. I think my parents, I think, and they're both dead, but, and I don't think I ever asked them, but I bet you my money that they thought the Beatles were something. Mm. That they were, okay, these guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were so special. Yeah. That even... Old fashioned grown ups that listen to my dad, you know, like to do the Balboa shuffle huh. <laughs> from his yeah. army days. Uh-huh. But still, when the Beatles came along and then Paul McCartney singing yesterday, right. it's like, okay, we get it. Yeah. You know? Well, and I feel like that early Beatles stuff definitely had a bit of the kind of 50s rock and roll, early 60s rock and roll. So, in a way, it could bridge bridge generations you know it spoke to you but it also maybe spoke to your parents eventually and that's right it's really hard to deny that songwriting and the vocals and the arrangements and the melodies i mean you know chords yeah everything about what they were doing yeah uh just seemed to be a huge i mean it 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 was evocative of something but also something brand new yeah you know and it was that's awesome but it was 
we didn't know that they emulated our R&B artists like right. you know Chuck Berry and all that. Right. But my parents probably intuitively knew it. But they, I, I did a stuff like that uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, it was just it was something because mm. we we didn't get to, we didn't know the beginnings of Beatles in those days. We just thought they were the Fab Four. Right. From the get go. Right. So singing through high school in like. Were you singing in in the choir or like bands that you were putting together? Never a band. Um, just oh, I was in such a very, um, hmm, very. We lived in a bubble there. Mm. We I didn't. I'd never been outside of mm. Mesa, Arizona that I knew. Mm. I just kind of barely remember Baltimore and things. You know, just the green and mm-hmm. so forth, mm. like a little child. Mm. But but there. I just learned such good things, the the really the basics and the singing Kyrie liaison and l- learning how to sing properly and use my diaphragm and my mouth and mm-hmm. singing the Queen's English as it were. Mm-hmm. But but um, but then you know rock. I always loved pop and Dionne Warwick and mm. Barbara Streisand, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You mm. know, I just I've always just uh, loved music. It. I don't love it as much now hmm. as I did then. Hmm. I don't. I don't think so. Hmm. It's hard, I would imagine, to recapture that discovery mode. You know yeah. that that. I mean, I remember I was the same way. That's in, a good in, point. In high school, when you're kind of coming online, come, becoming aware, figuring out who you are, and to attach to a, a style of music is mm-hmm. such a powerful moment in anyone's I know. life. You know, it is. Yeah, it is, especially when you're. A, you only have your own ears and your own mind. So when you're singing, you think you sound a certain way. So when I was in the bathroom taking a bath and that beautiful, didn't, mm. didn't think about the... the Acoustics. The per- or- yeah, the acoustics of mm. it in those days. But thinking, gosh, I, I sound like, you know, I think I sound like Dionne Warwick. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I am Dionne, <laughs> you know, or then when Erwin Streisand would say, love soft as an easy, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, and us, we, me, I don't know who else, we would emulate those singers because uh-huh. we didn't know any better. That's, you know, they're the, what we hear on the radio. So right. I'm going to emulate, you know, where will I go? You know, uh-huh. all those little in. Those nuances reflection yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly yeah. so then all of a sudden when i'm singing rock and roll my first band was a rock band well i guess you would call it rock but i think it was that little bit of crossover rock slash folk if mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. right when dylan and all that and and just and brazil 66 but i joined the Windjammers, and i was 18 years old and i um and we did like um, this is the dawning of the. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to sing because I sound like crap today. No, no, no. Uh, but you know, and I did here, there, and everywhere. My, it's my first ballad, and I was I was afraid of my shadow. Mm. You know, I could sing in church and in school, but being in front of a million soldiers that were my age, I was like going, "Heck, what am I going to do with this?" Wait, wait, wait. And tell the, me what that experience was. So um, you would play like army bases? Oh yes, we went on USO tour. Okay, I guess I should have said that no. right up front. <laughs> <laughs> and that I got to leave town. I got wow. to leave town, as it were, at eighteen. At eighteen, you went on the road. I missed my graduation. I still hate that. But anyway, yeah, and went on an army plane over oceans and 
were treated like admirals in, in the NCO, NCO club and, yeah. you know, and taking those big old planes where the, the doors open and you're looking down and you can see the fish in the ocean. Wow. But we went to Guantanamo Bay, um, um, Antigua. They call it Antigua now. We call it Antigua then. Panama City, Cape Canaveral. St. John, and we would sing for the soldiers before they'd go to Vietnam. They had to get ready, all these soldiers getting ready for the humidity. Mm. You know, the people from Baltimore and the South knew about humidity, but Mm. these little soldiers from Ohio were like, or, you know, the West, Mm. have to, that was part of the training. Acclimation, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, this is in the 60s then? It's 1969. Oh. And we did Tax Man, I remember. They huh. loved the Beatles, too. Because, huh. you know, we thought, mm, yeah. Dun, 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 you know. Yeah, that's so, a great tune. Yeah. <clears throat> so how long did that last? And, 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 and what did your parents think about you leaving at 18 to, to sing in a band? Well, my dad asked uh, the leader of the band, Bill Zorn, going, well, we know she's going to be singing on stage, you know, every night. What's she going to be doing the rest of the time? And Bill Zorn, like, well, uh, I'll be your chaperone. And it was like, I was so embarrassed because my dad was so strict. But my mom, and I was like going, Mom, maybe I shouldn't go. You know, I, I don't know. I was getting nervous. Yeah. I think I was scared. Sure. And, I, and she goes, yeah, you're going to go. Yeah, you can do it. You know, but she's, she wasn't real um, demonstrative then. She, so many kids. But she just like said, yeah, no, uh, you, you'll, you'll be fine. You know, huh. she doesn't, she didn't go, oh, honey, right. you're the best. Right. She just didn't, you know, Yeah. didn't suffer fools. <laughs> so I just, I got on that plane and boy, howdy, wow. the rest was history. Wow. So when you came off of that tour, what was the next step for you? I, I still performed in that band until I got fired because I had to, I was going to college at MCC. I loved it that. And, you know, my education and I just was, let's face it, I was just a little chick singer. I didn't think, you know, mm. I didn't have glory in my eyes. I didn't seek stardom or anything like that. I loved to sing. And I loved, oh, when I came home, they would send my paycheck home and my per diem and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, I had some money. Yeah. I was like, what am I, I'm going to go buy some clothes. <laughs> anyway, I was such a girl. <laughs> and then I was working at Valley National Bank so I, I, I really, you know, was driven to um, try to make money, yeah. pr- probably. And then I got married to the lead guitar player in that band. Okay. A, a year later or something. Wow. Yeah, I fought it off for a year. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it didn't really seem like I didn't, I mean, this isn't part of the podcast, but it was like at, at 18 and 19, I was like, going, get married, dang, I leave my parents' house and right. do... And another guy that's kind of very authoritative, uh, very <laughs> strong-willed, I'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah, huh. You know, huh. but, um, you know, and he wanted to be rock and roll stars. So I said, okay, I'll sing some more. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll do the backgrounds. Okay, I'll sing lead, huh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. One thing led to and, another. And that was still in the in the wind jammers? No, that oh. was a band called Goldmine. Mm-hmm. And then, and, we you went, were working, and then I went on the road. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. And and playing kind of like top 40 stuff? Were you yes. writing your own stuff? No, I wished we had. We had written them. But when we went back east, like to Lance, uh, 
let's see, what's the name of that town? Flint, Michigan. Oh, wow. And Canada. I loved Montreal, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I loved touring back there and, and Ames, Iowa. And I, I, if I thought about it. But the nightclubs were like the Midwest. And we had an agent that booked us in nightclubs. And we'd sing five nights a week. Wow. And for two people... We were making great money. Yeah. You know. Oh, it was just a duo. No, it was oh, a band, but okay. I was married to John. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. And so <laughs> we've you know. Oh, we did the rock opera Tommy. Okay. And we did, you know, a long, long time ago. Da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever song that uh, American uh, Pie. Yeah, Don McLean. Things like that. Yeah. Whatever would come up. But we did, you know, Smoke on the Water. Okay. Oh, all those songs that <laughs> but I did get to do, I remember doing, you know, certain songs like Robert, when Roberta Flack came out. I went, boy, I, I sure like doing this. And I sure like singing, you know, the stuff that I began with, the things that my mom played in the house. And then when we were at, um, what's that town? Where's Jody Light from? I forgot the name of it. Um, oh, she uh, isn't she Ohio? Yeah, but, oh, um, could be, but... No, um, oh, it'll come back to me. The first town I played is at that Holiday Inn in some town that she yeah. she laughed at, yeah. some funny town. Peoria, Illinois. Illinois, okay. And for some reason, I thought that was where she was from. But I remember, like, you know, we were on a stage, and there were men sitting at the bar looking. I was like going, thank goodness I have my bell bottoms on. You know, I was like, and they were old men. Yeah. And, um, you know... And and so John, they were doing you know smoke on the water, whatever they were doing, I can't remember. And I just said, "Can I sing summertime?" Yeah, you know, it's only five people there. And I just thought, I brought Nancy Wilson to me and Roberta Flack and uh. Aretha and all those things that were deep down inside me, and I got to sing summertime. And and I just people were clapping and and my husband kind of looked at me like, "Who in the hell are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do with Alice? <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's left the building. But it was like, that was kind of an epiphany for me. I was like going, oh my gosh, I wonder if anybody could make a living doing that. So it didn't even really dawn on you that that was, a, that was an option? You know, I mean, having had all this experience touring and no. making money and... Um, no, because I didn't have a strong mind of my own. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't a wimp, but I was like, um, it was like I was going along for the ride mm-hmm. and making mm-hmm. money. I was in a washer and dryer back home, uh-huh. you know, right. I was sitting in our little house. We bought a house. My dad was a builder, and we had a little three-bedroom home. So I was thinking, hey, I got just paid off my washer and dryer. Darn, I'm going to get some new carpet, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I was just as, I'd, all I did, all I was trained to be was a mom. Yeah. And a wife. Yeah. It was very old-fashioned. Yeah. And uh, it was Mormon. They were Mormons. And and I uh, and I just, all of a sudden, I, I think I was, oh, I was in, um, oh, shoot. My memory is like a <laughs> vault. But uh, I remember everything, but not the names of places. But um, when I was in one place, some famous uh, comedian, it wasn't Lenny Bruce. I'm not that old. <laughs> But uh, I could think of him if I could, you know. But I was singing, oh, was it Frenchie's? And upstairs was the finest dining room around. 
Um, and downstairs was a rock club, just like Mr. Lucky's. Yeah. And so we were down there, and I remember just had my little hippie dress on, and my wire rims and my long blonde hair, and, and some, you know, like New York kind of brooding kind of character. And on the break, he came up to me, and I was like, I was like the deer in the headlights. And uh. he said, you need to make love to the microphone. <laughs> I was like going, okay, bye. <laughs> and so I went to the green room and crocheted. <laughs> you know, that's what I do. I made cro- I crocheted quilts on the breaks. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so domesticated. <laughs> Tell me, um, I've heard a lot of stories. I I never went to Mr. Lucky's, but I've I've heard a number of stories about that spot and and a number of people that came up through Mr. Lucky's, and it was such a huge um, part of the music scene around that time, right? Seventies, eighties. I I would say so. Something around there. 69, 70, 71, 72. Yeah. And, and on. Yeah. Day David Sloan. Yeah. 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 And, and do you have any memories of performing there? Did you perform? Yeah, I there? did. I, with, um, uh, with uh, Kathy Ryan and Frank Smith, they were in a band called Calliope. They were right before, they were the week before us and I'd never seen another girl singer from town and so she became my friend Kathy Manfredi she married Jerry Manfredi you don't know them but anyway so I was like going and she was going skin tight uh, uh, those songs but we'd get up there and do rock and roll well little did I know or think about it but I had to sing and I had a little one-year-old daughter and I had to sing till three o'clock in the morning and I I, at about 12 o'clock I was leaning against the wall I think I fell asleep and I said, oh, dang, I, let me go get a Coke, you know. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I literally went, I, I can't keep my eye. I, I don't even remember two sets of going, smoke. Right. Poor smoke on the water right. is getting a bad rap today. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where But, I mean, I was so, t- you, have you ever been so tired and you're driving and yeah. you, you're at a stop sign and all of a sudden, yeah, you know you're just asleep and there's yeah. honk 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 and you're going oh shoot where am I who am I and and you're you're driving home and you're at a stoplight yeah and you, I just couldn't uh, I couldn't do those after hours yeah till three o'clock no that's I can't even do I mean I couldn't even do that in my prime you know it's crazy and and this actually leads to an, a question that I was thinking about and and how do you as a mom and as a wife how do you juggle that responsibility with your art, with singing? I mean, how did I? Yeah. Because that ship has passed. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, how did you manage that? Because that I, seems like almost insurmountable I, to me. When I think of it, I, I just don't know. Mm. But I, it was hard. I remember so many times just finding babysitters, mm. just... Do you know? Do you know the does she babysit? Does that daughter? It was always a thing, the babysitting, mm-hmm. and I never ever felt great. You know how I, I believed in in those days in that spirit, that feeling you get when you hire a babysitter. I believed in you know knowing you did find the right sitter. Mm-hmm. I know you don't understand what I'm saying, but like when I went to Vegas and I was singing, we opened for Jerry Van Dyke. And at the Golden Nugget, and I found a sitter, uh, and a man and a woman at a home with their kids, and I just, I just got this dread over my body, and I told John, I said, I don't want to leave my kid there. There's mm. something bad there, mm. you know. Mm. So, the show has to go on. So you just, I mean, in Canada, we'd keep her 
put her asleep and you know have her on the side of the stage sometimes mm. wow oh my god you can't believe the things wow. we had to go through to yeah to do that yeah and that was the problem i think i was so divided that way that i couldn't put my whole soul into the music mm. and um and therein lies the the problem yeah you know i mm. I, I did decide which one i was going to do well and it turns out i hope i did okay because you know, there's we have we've come home to an ambulance, mm. you know, mm. yeah, mm. and my kid was in the hospital, mm. and he got ran over because he took his a uh, Joey, mm. he was on his skateboard on his tummy, he was going down the driveway, and someone backed up, mm. and there Very were fine. tread marks on his back, mm. he didn't break one bone. He has three kids. He lives in New York. He's a doctor. He's a classical pianist. Wow. And there was an angel watching. Hey, wow. that's Alice's kid. We got to keep an eye on him. You know. She's got to work at Mr. Lucky's till three. I that's, know. That's, <laughs> Who knows where I was? It's crazy. What was the? Do you have any early memories of the music scene? Yes. What you got to be uh, more specific? <laughs> because. There's a plethora yeah, of events, yeah. but um, let me just think. My most, you know, people like to hear these these good stories, but um, and there are good stories. And I've also, I thought I would tell this because I thought it was important. In nineteen um, hmm, seventy, I'm going to say nineteen seventy six. That sounds about right. I worked at a very very shishi hotel in town and the food and beverage manager asked me if I wanted to go and have dinner in their fine dining room and I just went oh and I was just recently divorced and I was like going oh, oh okay well that sounds great I couldn't afford to eat there uh. and I love good food uh -huh. I'm still a foodie I'm a I could be as big as the side of a house <laughs> if well, I and Todd, I know Todd's cooking is pretty off the hook. And I am too. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I do the comfort food. He does the. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But I mean, I just really adore food, and so, um, yeah, and I and I had steak, Diane, and flambe and stuff, and and he says, let's go out clubbing. And, you know, I go, oh no, I have a babysitter. I have to go home. Thank you so much. But I had a gig singing four or five nights a week in the lobby uh, jazz trio wow a band yeah that i i loved it and i was fired the next day no kidding because i said no uh, just saying me too's been around a long time yeah <laughs> it's been around a long time and i you know i just accepted it uh, you see i mean i didn't do anything about it but the next week or two guess what happened someone had seen me in that band Charles Lewis, mm. and guess what I got to do? I got to sing jazz, mm. just like I wanted to in Peoria, Illinois. Mm. Mm. Do you know? Mm -hmm. So where one door closes, for me at that time, it was like I get to go up and sing Free Again, you know, a mm. Nancy Wilson tune, mm. and people are going to dig it. And mm. I don't have to do all the things I had to do. Smoke on the water. <laughs> and you finally we were able to take that off the set list. See I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> but boy, howdy, when you went <clears throat> boom, 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 everybody flocked to the dance floor. Right. So we we were beholden, you know. We we sure. we get them on the dance floor. We'll keep them there, and we get paid. Yeah. 
It's crazy kind of to think that Smoke on the Water was a dance number. Oh, but they got to, it was called Freeform. You know where the the movie White Man Can't uh, Jump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had a movie called White Man Can't Dance. <laughs> no kidding? No, and white, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, but you know, I'm saying it was Freeform. I got you. Freeform dancing. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. Kind of like a like a hippie-ish kind of... Yeah. Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. Think of Woodstock with yeah. clothes. Yeah. And then sometimes the, <laughs> girls would, sometimes the girls would raise their shirts. Really? Oh, yeah. To you? Oh, no, to the, my, the guys in the band. I yeah. just went like, girl, wear a bra. <laughs> it's not that good. I know that alcohol makes you think they're really good looking, but they ain't. Did you... Uh, You're getting off that subject, aren't you? Should I? We can, we can talk about... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> did you uh, did you want to go to Woodstock? No. No, wasn't your thing really. I, I was. Ha- I had kids. Yeah. 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 But you liked th- some of those artists. I loved. Like. Oh, I adored Crosby, Stills and Nash. Mm. When we, when I came in 1969, in my first year of college, uh, that sailing ships. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know names of albums, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, treat yeah. your children well and all yeah. that. Um, I played that album to where it, it didn't know who it was right. anymore, but right. I, I thought that they were the next mm-hmm. iconic group. Yeah. And I loved I loved that era, and I can't remember your question. Uh, if you wanted to go to Woodstock, but oh. you didn't because you had kids, but oh. then you loved that music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I adored it. Yeah. And then Joni Mitchell happened to mm-hmm. me. After that, it was like uh, when my marriage was kind of like, oh my gosh, this isn't happily ever after. I must not be a good person. Mm. You know, all that stuff mm. a, a girl or a guy goes through going, mm-hmm. I failed, you know. And I had a three-bedroom house where there was this one room and I put my little re- record player on it and Joni Mitchell, mm. you know, climbing, climbing, climbing the hill, that album, mm. uh, Court and Spark and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I, I think Joni Mitchell was me, mm. was everything she felt. I was like, I wish she would stop investigating my life, yeah. you know. Yeah. But all those feelings she felt in that girl, I'm the girl in the bathroom. Well, I'm going to people's party. Yeah. Deaf, dumb, and blind. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so, but I'm not the only one, I'm sure. But it was just like such a, uh, I'm so glad she came along because Mm. I I could cry and go, oh, I'm not alone, you know. Mm. So music was a healer for me Mm -hmm. and all my failures. (laughs) Well, it, 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 you know, in the research that I've done on Joni, um, it, it sounds like, as you just described, she was able to articulate a lot of the feelings and sentiments of being a woman at that time, yeah, and and was able to synthesize a lot of of those emotions into a beautiful song. I know, and isn't that that's that's I don't I want to say power, not used in a malicious way, but just powerful maybe is the is the way to say it. I think it's both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is. She's powerful, and she she had power. She. Uh, the st- she was part of the star maker machinery mm. in her own sense, but but she was also um, she was also the girl that said, "If you want me, I'll be down in the bar." Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, she. Right. I, I've been where she is. Yeah. It's like the girl, the little Mormon girl from Mesa, felt more at home sitting at a, in a dark 
bar with the TV set, even though the TV set was a deterrent to the music, the right. band. And I'm on my break. I'm thinking, man, she poetically put down certain angst yeah. with women and yep. and I'm sure men too. Yeah. Because I knew men that were just as emotional as me. Mm-hmm. And I loved it that they were emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, they go, Hey, how you doing? All got another gig and I was like, yeah, I know what you're really feeling. <laughs> I know what's happening at home. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like and, and maybe the power of of her music was the fact that it wasn't all great. It like as you say, angst there you know Oh, there was not. there was bittersweet. There was uh, melancholy, and there was also cheerful and and kind of upbeat. And, Carrie, and, get out your cane. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Um, but she was able to do it all in a sense, and it and and in, I think in that way, it was just life, right? It was the good mm-hmm. and the bad, and I feel like a lot of pop music up until that point um, was just focused on the good. Right. I know. And and we, we didn't to, want to know the other existed. Right. Or yeah, right, because you dealt with it on during the day. Yeah. It's like yeah. I don't want to deal with this now. I know. I'm just trying to escape. Yeah. You know, so help me do that and not remind me of yeah. how I screwed up yesterday or whatever. Or I'm not paying the cover charge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see her live? Interestingly enough, I have to think about that. No, I'm thinking of I haven't, and that's a shame. Huh. I, but she stopped going when mm. I could afford it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen Paul McCartney a few times, you know, and he still didn't ask me to marry him. But anyway, um, and Todd, you know, <laughs> yeah, Todd would be cool. I know he said, "Yeah, bring him over." <laughs> hey, I did. I did bring Jeff Picaro to Todd. You probably. I heard that, that story. Yeah. That was my my biggest feat. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible! <laughs> yeah. I, can you tell us that story? Oh well. Sure. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge influence on Todd. Yeah. Well, I used to, I, I'd seen Jeff in California and he was kind of a friend and, you know, in a flirtatious kind of way before I got married in mm-hmm. between marriages. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, and so I had his phone number and all that. And he says, I'm coming to town. Da, da, da. And, and Todd and I uh, had just gotten together and I said, well, I'm just going to go see Jeff at ASU story, and I said, and so after the concert, he says, what's up? And the sax player was with him. I said, hey, would you mind coming? I said, I have a very special person in my life that he would just die if, I mean, that's the honest, yeah. and he said, of course. Yeah. I said, it's not five minutes away. And so him, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the sax player for Toto, but um, so I, we got in my car, and and um, and he's playing with Linda and Carmela wow. in Phase Two on Chewy's on Mill Avenue, wow. just to bring back people that do remember it. And so I'm like thinking, I this this guy Todd Chew was gonna love me forever. Now <laughs> I got him. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks, Jeff Picaro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use Jeff. <laughs> but um, so we walk into Chewy's, and I'm like going, and. Todd's going, and all the people in the band are going, and Jeff's kind of going, and he's like has his kerchief, and he's just smiling his big teeth, and it's so cool. He's yeah. just the coolest. And so then, and when their set's done, they come down and they're talking this and you know rapping and and um, I said you should ask for his autograph, Todd, and he goes okay. 
He goes, okay, I will. Because he's a young guy. He's, yeah. he's 23. Wow. And I'm 33. Okay, I put it out there. <laughs> so um, I put the, I get a cocktail napkin, I suppose. I can't remember what. But he got it, and he said, Todd, get out of town. <laughs> that was his advice. That was his advice. To, to, he goes, I, you know, I, I want to make it, da-da-da-da. Uh -huh. And he said, Todd, get out of town. In, the, in those days, you had to go to L.A. Yeah. If you're going to be anybody yeah. of that ilk, right. or, or make it. And those were his advice. That to, was his that advice. That was to his Todd. advice, yeah. But Todd stayed, and yeah. you guys yeah. have been together yeah. ever since. Yeah, but I always told Todd, you should still go. Huh. I'll be here. Yeah. Go, go, go. Huh. So. And did you ever, I mean, did you ever want to move to Los Angeles? I know you at this point I did. you had family. I, I did. I would go there and stay with Don Costa, who was my producer. And Don Costa produced, you know, uh, the, the Osmonds and, and Paul Anka and Frank Sinatra. Mm. So he, he was my producer and, uh, and Kenny Rankin had discovered mm -hmm. me. Mm. And so Kenny Rankin bought me an airline ticket and you know so and and i was kind of dating kenny at the time and so um yeah he uh flew me there and he says i want my he made a kenny got a grammy for his his album with don costa which is when sunny mm. gets blue mm. you should do that yeah <laughs> you should do that i've heard people have told me that there's some sort of similarity because you guys have that nice brown velvet mm vocal cord oh, I see I don't know much of Kenny Rankin's music but you're not the first person to suggest that I listen well, a little we'll listen bit more. to it after this interview. yeah yeah just so I can see what you yeah because you talk you talk like this no I can't I, I you see from New York he was from Brooklyn oh, okay well, but his voice his voice was so <laughs> yeah. and he goes so he would say to me he goes sing I'd go summertime he goes yeah okay that's all i wanted to remember or something or something like that uh -huh. so he'd say we're going over to don costas and and so i sang three lines of a song for don costa and he says okay i'm going to sign you wow. and so i did almost and then mm -hmm. i i can't explain it i just i got that icky feeling again mm -hmm. and i said uh I don't know about this, mm. you know. Mm. I I went to a couple of Hugh Hefner parties. I was having fun, and I just. But then I I had to live with myself, and so mm. I was like, it didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And then and I remember when I was in Vegas, and and I was sitting with Mac Davis and Kenny Rankin, and and not not Kenny Rankin, sorry, he wasn't there. He was out of the picture then, but a, a bunch of movie stars or music stars and. They left for so long, and I was sitting at a, in a bar by myself at a table. I'm thinking, what's wrong with this picture? Mm. So I went to the payphone. <laughs> that sounds so dated. And I called home, and, and my little girl, Isaac, goes, Mom, come home. Please come home. And I just took a taxi, went to my hotel room, got my stuff, packed my bags, and I never looked back. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was just, just a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me the story of how Todd got the drum chair in oh, your yeah. band? Danny Tomlinson. Because <laughs> Danny Tomlinson got a gig with, uh, oh, shoot, hold on. Um, oh, so. Uh, not was, Lyle. No, no, it's the guy before, not Spyrogyra, uh, some. Um, kind of fusion y. No, uh, more. Um, 
not the Gypsy Kings, but in between oh, that, I'm huh. sorry, I can't remember. No, that's all right. But they, they played at Scottsdale Center for the Arts, and I wouldn't know it if you said it. But they, I don't hear of them now. Mm-hmm. And from that, he got a lot of love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he, he got a national gig, and mm. so I said, can you? So I still remember, and he listed three names. And Todd Shubas was first name, someone else, and someone mm-hmm. else. And I says, so I dialed the number and Todd answered the phone, and I liked the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And remember about the feeling thing? Mm-hmm. And I was like going, oh, I didn't even call the other two. I said, can you? I said, I do a little jazzy kind of pop and a little bit of everything, and Jim Simmons is my bass player, and yada, 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 and you want to come and I'll play it at a rehearsal mm. and see how. And, you know, so that's how he mm. got it. Mm. It was like, he fit in good. Mm. Mm. Clearly. Yeah. Um, do you remember your first, like, big concert? Not not that you sang necessarily, yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. the first one that you went to as, a, as just a fan? Oh, as a fan. Well, you have to remember when I was in high school, I had boyfriends that would, or, or dates, if you will. Yeah. So the first one, it could have been the Rolling Stones. Wow. I saw Three Dog Night, and I saw the Beach Boys at the Phoenix, the Arizona Fair. Wow. In the front row. Wow. And they, and they wore white suits. And I thought, I, sh- I was in trouble because I thought, man, that drummer's so cute. <laughs> and I was like in trouble. I'm going, <laughs> Dennis Wilson. <laughs> he was so handsome. Yeah. And... I secretly thought he sang the best. When he would sing, I was like, he had this pure. If you listen to Dennis Wilson, mm-hmm. the drummer, right? He sang great. Yeah, and no one knew that. Do you remember what record would they have been touring on? Was that um, was that Pet Sounds or was could that could be? Yeah, yeah, that it could be. A, Talk about another seminal see. record. I remember I was with Carl Stradling, so that would have been 1969. Wow, 1968 maybe. Wow, mm-hmm. Pet Sounds, Jeez Louise. White suits. I I'm, I want to say leisure suits. Yeah, yeah. But it maybe it wasn't that. Yeah. But maybe it was where where they wanted to change their look. Yeah. Well, yeah. Take off the Hawaiian shirts and yeah. and and sharpen up a little and bit. And Dennis was fine. Yeah. And they sounded like a million bucks. Yeah. Huh. Let's take a quick break. Okay. We'll listen to your tune. Okay. And maybe some Kenny Rankin. Okay. <laughs> So on the break, you shared uh, some of the songs from the new record that you're uh, recording with Clark at uh, Tempest in Tempe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me the process of deciding what songs to go on the record. It's funny. Um, 
because we recorded it just a few years ago or whenever we did, um, it was just songs uh, that just came into my head going, Mm. well, you know, I love Joan Osborne, so, and I love the latter. I just love the the melody and the lyric and how, you know, the subject matter mm-hmm. and i <clears throat> and i i wanted to do he said because i thought that was so um thought provoking mm. in, in what john lennon was probably feeling when he wrote it so and i thought he said you know you know how mm. he sings and, mm-hmm. and i just dug that song so mm-hmm. i said i'm just going to do songs that i love as i made it through this little life mm. and with all the little music and, and what some of the other songs uh, on the record? There's oh, some originals, right? Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I have a couple more originals, but I, I don't think we're going to fit them up because we're never going to get done with the album. <laughs> but we can always just release them as singles. Yeah. But recently I wrote a song uh, for my son Johnny, who, who died at the age of 29 from, you know, uh, an accidental overdose. Accidental overdose. Um, and uh, so, you know, of course... Reese is, he's a prolific writer. I just kind of write just when it comes to me. And sometimes it comes to me just like for days. And Mm. then I'm just like nothing. Mm. I'm just a vessel and and I'm just a singing machine. Uh But uh, this one uh, was called Hooray. And it was just that that my son lived, uh, Johnny lived every day just, you know, he stumbled into the next day, but he never thought it was fine. And he was... He was good with God, good with himself. And so we wrote the song, Hooray, um, uh, for every day he would wake up and go, okay, so what's up? What am I going to do? And so as a boy, he grew up with ADHD severely, and he never had really friends. So his brothers and sisters were his friends. Really, that's about it. And they were the hardest on him. You know, get a get a grip, you know. Don't. So he would self-medicate, basically, through his life. And doctors would medicate him, too. So, but um, um, it, it's about him. Um, uh, like, the first lyric is, I stand here, um, let's see. What I've got is just the soul under my face. Maybe I can catch up with the human race. Turn the corner, stood in line, don't look bad. Doesn't matter what I've gained or what I lack. It's just his, you know. Mm. He 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 had cars. They would get wrecked. He had eyeglasses. They were broken. Mm. They, you know, it, nothing lasted. He was just um, he was like a bull in a china closet. Mm. I wrote that as therapy, and mm. and and I basically heard Reese playing the guitar, and I just said, "Can I write some lyrics to that?" And, he said, yeah, Mom, let's go write it. Because he wrote a song called Bus Stop 52 because now, now everywhere as he goes, he looks at the bus stops thinking he sees Johnny mm. standing there because there's a certain form, a certain walk, you know. Because mm. um, at some point, you know, you uh, as a parent, you have no idea what to do mm. for your son. When they keep returning to jugs, they, but they're as good as gold. Mm. And they love unconditionally they don't judge anybody mm. and that was him and so mm. uh, we dedicated that song to him and so nice tribute uh, clark clark said yeah let's have reese and we said oh i don't know you know because he's he's not a performer per se but he does you know he sings really good yeah, yeah. um you you mentioned writing lyric 
Mm-hmm. Is that is that typically your process? Would you say like do lyrics come yeah. first, or, or can you even say it's that? A, you know, it's a good question. Sometimes I'll hear a like when I was at Joe's and I played these certain chords, I just knew the tone. I think it's the the melody line which lends itself to a certain word mm-hmm. or a lyric or a line. You, you know exactly what the course is going to be before you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 different each time. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and it, and I always have to write from my own experience. Yeah, or and my experiences mm. are yours too. Like I could mm. I could go home and write uh, like someone that would write see you singing, strumming his pain with my fingers. Mm. You know, I mean, someone wrote that because they saw someone that inspired mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. and so that's what I I would I do. It stays in my house most of the time, but when I get to record, I usually pull one up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm writing one with Phil, and I'm writing one with uh, Beth Lederman mm-hmm. because I have to have a good instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. That you know, and and Beth's just kind of a little, a little gift. Yeah, <laughs> Beth Lederman. You've been is. working with her for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. On and off, I should say, I have a, I have four or five keyboard players that I play with in town because in this town. You know, a good keyboard player. It's hard to find. Yes, and they're hard to keep. <laughs> keep and hire because they're. It's a twenty-four hour supermarket. Right. Everyone goes right. and wants them. But um, I mean, like you have Lamar, and he's yeah. like wonderful. So, but you know, everybody says, "Oh, can you come play with me?" And you know, yeah. So I just uh, do what I can, and I always. Sometimes it, you know, I have. Last year I hired someone, no names mentioned, but I hired someone in the day and I had, it was a concert, if you can Mm. believe it, Mm. an important concert to me. Because when I sing in a concert, different than singing, you Mm -hmm. know, but, um, and they said, oh, I double booked myself. I went, well, uh, bag the other, bag the other gig, but they didn't. (laughs) Okay. And I'm thinking, is it, I said, Todd, is it, is it me? Uh, is it just my personality? Am I just like the girl that you can, but so our a very good keyboard player uh, yeah. came and played with me, and I've yeah. never regretted it. Yeah. And so, well, so I like I say, you stumble. Sometimes you stumble into your life. Mm-hmm. I stumbled into singing, as it were. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and you know, just to just to put a bow on on your last sentiment, <clears throat> we are very fortunate to have really incredible um, musicians in this town, and I know you feel this way, but just yeah. so grateful to be able to make music with these extremely talented individuals. Yep. You know, I couldn't do what I do without them. People like Lamar and Todd and yeah. Mario, you know, I, I mean, in the list, you know, yeah. just goes and on Michael and on. Michael Zuna. Yeah. I, I, I've heard all. Yeah. I loved it when you did your Stevie Dan music along with your, I love your originals. Like, Thank you. I always forget <laughs> the name of my favorite song, Something Something Me. Uh, shelter me, shelter oh, me. Oh, shelter! Yeah, I love yeah, that. Shelter, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always go, "Will you play that song?" But when I've had a martini, I go, "You know, it starts with an S." And you go, oh, "No, no, please leave me alone." You know, or whatever. Um, you know Holly Pyle, the great. Of course, theme? yeah, yeah. I asked her if she had any questions for you. I told her that I was going to interview you today. Yeah, yeah. And she had this question, and I, and and it fits because it's about this about this new record and and your process but she was wondering what differences you are witnessing over time in your creative expression whether 
it, it now it's easier or more difficult um, or a change in in the content of the song that you're writing or or has how has your process I guess changed uh, over time? Hmm. Well, there were several questions in that. Yes, little questions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Holly's deep, deep, deep undercover. Yeah. <laughs> um, so really, it's changed. I think I have so much more freedom mm. because may I cuss? Yes, please. Because I some I care so much. Every single, no matter if I'm singing to five people, as embarrassing as that is in a club, I care so much. But in the same day, the same moment, I don't give a shit. Right. Because I've gotten off stage and go, I sh- why don't I, why can't I hit that note tonight? Why do I sound like crap? And they go, Oh my gosh, you're so good. And I'm just like going, Ooh, yours. No, I'm not. But it's so every, it's all perception. But back to Holly's question, I, I have so much more freedom now, but another Alice that existed in the sixties, the late sixties, early seventies, I got to go, I and as she went on down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sang rock and roll. Mm. I still, I still love to sing rock and roll. Mm. Oh my gosh, mm. I can sing rock and roll with the best of them. You better watch out. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I mean, I love playing the Acid Queen in Rock Opera Tommy. Tommy, my process. I never vocalize before I sing because I'll I'll, I'll call a Stevie Nicks tune in sound checkers like, well here I go again, you know. Yeah. So I'll go more. And sometimes if I'm, it's like if I thought I was gonna sing here with you, I would have gone, you know. I do. Mm. You can edit that out, please. <laughs> but um, but my I think I'm more free because back in the day. Except, like I said, except way early on when I was in gold mining going on tour and I would leave the town so they wouldn't ever, they don't mm. remember me from Adam, mm-hmm. you know, so I should have just, I could scream sometimes, that mm. primal scream. Mm-hmm. I like to do that. So you'll find me sometimes putting that in my jazz song. Mm. They'll probably say Alice is a screamer. You know? <laughs> well, this- like Shaka Khan used to be called a screamer. Really? Yeah. That's hard to believe, yeah. right? Remember her first album? I just remember that big hit. Um, Through the Fire. Yeah. What you gonna do for me? But no, but she used to go, um, oh, I can't think of that song. She was like, because I, my bass player in the Windjammers played with her in Chicago and no Rufus kidding. and played in, Ch- in Chase. It's so funny, all wow. this, uh, all the the thing. Interconnectedness. Yes. <laughs> And so it's just kind of funny. I, I, I know you. People always ask me about Billy Joel, but when I met Billy Joel, and I was, uh, he said, um, he, I said, well, I'm just a singer, you know. I'm just a singer. He, uh, you know, I said like Linda Ronson. He goes, just a singer. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, you're a great singer. And he played his album for his daughter because she wanted to be a jazz singer back in the day. But the thing is, is I, I know that I, you know, I think Todd told me the other day, at least I actually can find, pe- if I find people that are going and smiling at me, I'm thinking, I'm doing my gig. Mm. I, I'm a, Maybe I'm one of those pleasers like Bill, mm. Bill Clinton. Maybe I'm a pleaser and I hate that about me, but um, um, I do, part of my gig is if I'm making 
people happy. happy. Yeah. yeah. And and do you think that that's ultimately why you're? I mean, Could be. why you're still singing today? Is it just be? Is it your happiness or is it providing happiness to other people this or is, a combination of both? This is really the truth, and 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 this is again Holly and you. It's like when I'm on stage, as whatever I went through to get there, mm. whatever nervousness I went through whatever the hell went on that day or in my whole life, when I'm on that stage, that's when I know who I am and why I am here. I don't even have kids when I'm on the stage. Uh. Todd can go to hell. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. I'm, when I'm singing and if I'm singing something, I don't know anybody's there Yeah. and I'm done with the song and I, I don't, know that that three minutes and 15 seconds has right. passed. Yeah. And sometimes I'll just, uh, you know. That's awesome. But that's really it. That's who, and so when I don't sing, Todd's seen me around the house. I'm just, I, I go around like a ghost, you know. Huh. My kids are gone. They, you know, the troubles you have with kids and the ups and downs, that kept me, okay, okay. Right. And then get home, da, 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 get them to school, go sing at night and right. act like you just are having the best time. Pretty soon that acting was where I felt at home, in, uh-huh. a, in a bar, unfortunately. Right. Well, but singing, and, and I, I can definitely relate to that just complete sense of euphoria. Yeah. And obli- as you, you know, oblivion was a word that you just yeah. used a little yeah. while ago. And, yeah. and it's, like, it's like that. It's just euphoric oblivion. And it could be chi. It could, yeah. you know, where you don't, where, or what is that word where you, you don't know, you don't think about the future, don't mm. think about the past, mm. you're in the moment, mm. and you're ecstatic, just mm. right in that one little moment, yeah. and then it's history, you know? Right, but, yeah. Well, we're always chasing that, right? That moment. Yeah. Uh, chasing that stage and chasing, you know, yeah, that... that Oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> I like that word. I think that we should write a tune. All right. All right. Hey, what are you doing uh, Thursday, November 10th? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't have plans yet. Well, I know what you're doing. You're going to the Womack, y'all. This is the first So the Story Goes presents the show. What is that, you may ask? Well, let me tell you. We got four bands. We got Vinyl Station, Lee Pereira, Stephen the Articles, and yours truly. I'm putting the band together. And you know what we're going to do? We're just going to celebrate. We're celebrating music. We're celebrating uh, food and booze. Uh, and you know where it's going to happen? It's going to happen at the Womack, y'all. Come on. If you don't know about the Womack, you need to, you need to slap in the mouth. Uh, 7th Street and Bethany Home, the Womack is one of my favorite, favorite spots. Uh, it's very close to my crib, so I like to walk over there. Um, what I want you to do is visit tinyurl.com forward slash so the story goes. Tinyurl.com. If I have to spell that out for you, you are lost. Tinyurl.com forward slash so the story goes. Santan spirits are going to be there. There's going to be a delicious, delicious uh, welcome drink mixed up by the Womack, the incredible Womack staff uh, using Santan spirits. 
there's going to be a, 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 a free sp- Santan spirits tasting, a special guests. My homie uh, DJ Mira is going to be spinning in between bands. This is a full-on thing. Tickets are only 15 bones. Think about this. 15 bones. Four bands plus a DJ, and you get a free welcome drink. What you're basically doing is investing in your future. 6 p.m. doors, 7 p.m. show. It's going to be a hoot. Just go get tickets. Come join us. Quit being a weirdo. And come out and celebrate with us. That's all we want. That's all I want. I hope you enjoy this podcast and this conversation with Alice Tatum. See you Thursday, November 10th at the Womack. So the story goes presents the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really excited uh, for you and this new record. It, it sounds yeah. great. I mean, as yeah. I mentioned when we were listening, Clark knows what he's doing. Dang it. I told Clark... You know, every time I go to, you know, and however I get there, yeah. I'm always on time. I'm never late for yeah. anything, by the way, ever, except today. I was, I think I was <laughs> oh, two minutes late. Cause yeah, I, 30 seconds, that, maybe. That damn 51. <laughs> <laughs> but I told Clark, I said, Clark, when I come here, I'm just so happy. He goes, well, I'm glad, Al. You know, Clark. Uh-huh. He doesn't, you know, but every once in a while he'll be demonstrative. And he goes, yeah. Okay, you want to go out for Thai food or whatever? Okay, I know he's happy, but I'll I'll text him and I'll go, oh my gosh, I had such fun. I had such fun. I love being a background singer. I don't have to be the leader of the pack. Yeah. I just love harmonizing and I love to find a million different yeah. notes. And I said, Clark, this is my happy place. Yeah. And he said, Well, I'm glad. I'm glad, Al. <laughs> Let's go get some Thai food. <laughs> I know. I That's know. awesome. Coffee. Let's go get coffee. <laughs> Well, the, the record sounds great. The, the musicianship is great. And, and one thing I, I did notice, you played me those two songs. You played The Ladder and you played me He Said. And one thing that we briefly spoke about was how, how, do, you know, how do you know how to sing jazz? And because you know, not having maybe a, a, a particular training or whatever, to do that, but you can hear those melodies. And, and I did notice that between those two songs, stylistically, what you were doing was a little different. And, and is that a conscious decision to you? Do you No. right? Okay. That's interesting. No. You just, it just, it's, it's just how not. you would do it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, I'm not going to go, I'm standing here in your closet. I'm going to go, I'm standing here in your closet. I'm buttoning all your clothes. But again, and then in the studio, I can be singing my heart out. And Clark goes, uh, yeah. I mean, I trust him with my life. And I mm. said, so he goes, no, you should do that one over. And mm. I'd say, boom, done. Mm-hmm. Don't even argue, mm-hmm. you know, because I know he's got my back. Mm-hmm. But and then he said, I wanted not to sound like John Lennon, because there's only one, mm-hmm. you know, unmistakable. But I wanted to be a girl. Examine. You could already tell his existentialism, his his angst and his search. Mm-hmm. You could tell that in that song mm-hmm. so early on. But when I was young, I didn't. I was, he said, mm-hmm. you know. Right, right. I know what it, but I know what it's like to be dead. I know what it is to be sad. 
yeah. and you're making me feel like I've never been born. I mean, holy moly. We can't. If we wrote that, we'd be, people would go, huh? What the heck's wrong with this Are guy? You, let's give him some Xanax. <laughs> or no, what's that? Prozac. <laughs> Prozac. <laughs> well, I... I, I and I, vodka. I just love the fact that, you know, there obviously is a, is a stylistic thread in those songs, but they're also unique to the song. And you can't, you know, you have this this kind of uh, unintentional, visceral approach to each piece of music, you know, based on maybe instrumentation or approach or arrangement. But, you know, I, I just, I loved hearing the differences in, in how you would approach those songs. Good. Well, we try to make each song their own entity, if you mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. And because I hate being put in a... Um, in a category, yeah. or what's a better word for genre it? or a genre? Because they, you know, Todd would say, "Well, what, you know, who oh, is K Jazz going to play this, or, huh. or is who's going to play this?" Yeah. And I said, "Don't care." Yeah. Clark said, "Clark said I could just do what I want yeah. to be happy, yeah. and let's just have fun, yeah. and 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 be and be proud of it." Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. and and you know, and of course, he's stepped out of the, you know, the box in providing me with these his contacts and and i called nell stubenhaus because i sang with him and tom scott band oh wow yeah and uh, and and then can we talk about dave Baratic? let's do that oh my gosh he's he it's his changes in there yeah. that, that make me feel like i've never been born anyway his changes like are so cool and i texted him i said i listened to your tracks and i started i got tears in my eyes and you know, Dave Braddock, who's, you know, Mr. Brains, he goes, oh, I'm sorry I made you cry. Which tune? You know, <laughs> I said, well, all of them, because you play so well. And then Lamar yeah. played played on my original. Love it. And John Murray. I mean, everybody. And then Todd, you know, I yeah. said, I told Todd the other day, he, I thought he was going to faint. And I said, wow, you sound great on that, that Beatle tune on the album. He goes, oh, maybe I should. I said, don't. Don't go there, Todd. Right. Oh, I think I needed a cowbell. Yeah. You know. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. sorry, I said cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it sounds great. I'm really happy for you, and I, and I would imagine that a record that has taken a, longer than anticipated to complete has got to feel really good. It did. It does. It did. And I. And it will forever. <laughs> it will. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to get out of that? Well, let's see. No, it took longer. <laughs> Because of me, because I'm just, I'm too picky for my own good. Have you mm. ever just recorded and you thought, oh, I'm so happy. And you go home and you wake up the next day and you play your, and you go, ugh. Mm -hmm. You know, have mm -hmm. you ever done that? Yeah. Or heard yourself on a live recording and going, man, I was good last night. And, oh my gosh, who is that? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I don't know right. if that happens to you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you're typically your own worst critic, oh, you know, because you know true enough. what you, you will know what you want to sound like, you know, you know, I know. And you don't always, you don't always hit the mark. No, know? no. But I'm with you. The, the studio was definitely the, my happy place too. It is. Yeah. And you sing differently when I'm in a nightclub mm. and I'm singing and I, I'm just uncontrollable, yeah. and I, I just sing the highest note I can find. I just said, I'm going to do something, and I, and I, I don't care if I don't hit it. Mm. I just back off the mic and go for it. But, and I would never do that in the studio. Right. 
And so Clark says, no, don't do that. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll back up and please, can I please hit that high C over high C? And you know, no, no, no. I want to be mini-ripperton today. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your story and, and these great tunes. And I'm really happy for you. And I can't Thank wait you. to hear the finished product. And and thanks for letting me steal Todd on tours, you know, oh my and gosh. you probably actually enjoy him not at, at the home every once in a while. I actually miss him, but part of me gets a lot, I get a lot done or, or something. Yeah. I like I'm a better housekeeper when he's gone. <laughs> Todd's a sweetheart, as are you. Thank you for Thank your you. time, Alice. And, Thank and you. I, and I hope, to, uh, I hope to see you perform again soon. Any Anything coming up? Let's see. Oh, I have, yes, um, um. November 4th, I'm at the Ravenscroft Jazzbird with Dave Letterman, John Murray, and Todd Shuba. We're going to do some album cuts. Cool. First time I'm ever performing any. That's awesome. It's kind of like a soft opening, if you will. Mm -hmm. Have you played at that venue before? Yes. And do you love it? I love I've it. I've heard really good things yeah, about you it. Yeah, it's it, totally up your alley. Really? You belong there. Oh. You should. Give him a call. Yeah. All right, November 4th. Yes. And then where do people go if they want to know more about the record or where you're performing? Um, go to Facebook and, and ask to be my friend. I usually and just say, it's, that's the only way I know how to advertise. Mm. I am I am old-fashioned. You know, I, mm -hmm. I've forgotten how to do the other. <laughs> we used to have the New Times right. where that, right. was, that was the Bible. Right. So... Yeah. All right. So just find you on face. Find yeah. you on Facebook. Yeah. Alice Taylor. I always, yeah. I always post where I'm saying. Yeah. Good. All right. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Brian. <laughs>